welcome to Red Talks, a series of curated events and interviews on the hottest developments in emerging markets. I'm Sia Kulkarni, ESG reporter at Red Intelligence. And I'm Umaka Tripathi, legal analyst at Red. Today, we explore sustainability-linked bonds, or SLBs for short, with a special focus on Southeast Asia. This is the first part on a series of this fast-growing bond structure. In 2021, we saw Asia's first ever SLB from property development new world development. And the region has since seen 1.6 billion US dollars in offshore SLBs over the first nine months this year. About 1 billion of these SLBs are from Singapore and Indonesia. What makes these SLBs different from your typical ESG bonds, such as green or social bonds, is that they provide issuers the opportunity to set clearly defined sustainability targets and carry a penalty mechanism if the targets are not met. This penalty is usually in the form of an additional investment into sustainable activities or a step up of the coupon rate and serves to hold the issuer accountable to meet its targets. The market for SLVs, while still very new in the region, has seen tremendous growth. These are not use of proceeds bonds, such as green or social bonds, but rather bonds that enable transition of the issuer's overall business. We spoke to Clifford Lee, Global Head of Fixed Income at DBS Bank, about what has driven this growth and what makes Southeast Asian issuers particularly drawn to these structures. DBS Bank has underwritten several salient deals, including those of Surbana Jurong, Jaffa Confit Indonesia, Semcorp Industries, and Nanyang Technological University, or NTU. What are your thoughts on the market for SLBs in Southeast Asia? Thank you for that. Um, as you know, um, the SLBs are the latest uh, sort of uh, ESG-themed uh, structures to uh, to gain popularity. It's, it's still relatively new when compared to the green bonds and social bonds that uh, we've been seeing in the market. Now, the, like you said, the key difference between uh, SLBs and, and the other ESG bonds is that uh, the green bonds, social bonds, and, and, and the like, they are uh, use of proceeds-based uh, or defined. They are called the green bond because the use of proceeds goes to financing assets and activities which are considered to be green. And, and the same thing for uh, social bonds. Now, SLBs are not use of proceeds-based uh, in their structure. They're actually behavioral-based. Uh, they put in place sustainability covenants, if you may, or sustainability performance uh, uh, targets. These are KPIs that uh, issuers commit to in order to issue an SLB. Now, this is good in a few ways because first and foremost, we need to have an expanding uh, array of structures to, for issuers to be able to participate in the ESG-themed uh, financing uh, ambitions. Now, the use of proceeds bonds have their use and they will continue to grow. The number of uh, viable or eligible assets can uh, be sometimes challenging for issuers to, to be able to identify. And if they should retag the green assets they already have uh, to the green bonds that they issue, then basically it is, uh, it is still useful, it still defines the bond to be ESG themed, but it doesn't uh, bring about new investments. And new investments takes time to to to, uh, to find, to to develop, to come about. Now, with uh, sustainability linked bonds, where it's behavioral uh, influencing, if you may, um, what it does is that it puts in place covenants for issuers to be able to adhere to to ensure that their businesses and their actions are climate aligned. They will they are happy to be held accountable to targets to make sure that the that they also contribute to meeting the net zero targets uh, in the near future. Now, with that, 
uh, they are not limited in terms of uh, uh, having to identify uh, green assets. Uh, that, uh, that allows them to participate and, and gives them more flexibility. Secondly, what it also does is it, it also uh, puts in place actual definitive actions that can uh, bring us all closer to the uh, uh, climate line uh, goals that we're trying to reach uh, as a whole. So since it is behavioral based, it is uh, uh, you are seeing investment grade issuers agreeing to KPIs, uh, sustainability covenants, in order to uh, issue bonds. And that to us is extremely encouraging because they're happy to be held accountable to the ESG goals that is uh, put before them, that they are putting in place and they're declaring to the market to do their, to do their bit in terms of following the ESG agenda. Could you also elaborate a little bit more about why Southeast Asia in particular have, uh, like why Southeast Asian issuers in particular have been so prolific in their SLD issuances? Well, um, in in my view, there are two possible, uh, uh, two two immediate reasons. First and foremost, um, we have been engaging the Southeast Asian issuers uh, quite, for quite a fair bit, and they too uh, understand the rationale and the attraction of issuing a bond which holds issuers accountable to uh, their corporate actions, the, the development of their businesses, and to reduction to reducing greenhouse gas emission over a period of time. Just to just to uh, list one of the the sustainability uh, targets. They see the rationale of that and they want to uh, continue to push that forward. And you see us uh, helping to establish the uh, sustainability linked principles for the likes of uh, Singtel. And you see, you see us doing the same thing for in terms of bringing deals to the market, such as uh, Jaffa Confi, uh, where they, they have uh, SPTs put in place where they will construct new, uh, well, eight, in fact, uh, water recycling facilities to treat uh, wastewater in their operations. On, on top of that, more and more is uh, happening. So they they see the benefit, they see the logic, and 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 this kind of uh, the behavioral uh, changing, uh, the accountability is uh, of an issue where something that resonates with them quite naturally, and we are seeing more and more buy-in from uh, issuers across Asia. The second reason is, as I mentioned earlier on, many of the invest many of the issuers may already have. Uh, done green bonds. They have already uh, uh, identified and tagged the green assets. So for them to continue this uh, effort to have more green financing, more sustainability financing, uh, they will need an alternative uh, structure. And the SLB does exactly that. The SLB allows them to have an additional way of uh, issuing uh, ESG-themed financing, which are not just use of proceeds-based. So let's go back to the beginnings of SLBs and the rationale behind them. Before we saw SLBs this year, Asian corporates were issuing sustainability-linked loans. Asia saw nearly 15 billion US dollars in loans tied to ESG performance targets over the first half of 2021. Here's what Clifford had to say about the shifting sentiments towards sustainability-linked bonds rather than loans that were tied to sustainability targets. The concept of uh, sustainability-linked uh, financing uh, was in the market uh, several years back, but they existed mainly in, in the form of sustainability-linked loans, whereby issuers can set SPTs, and if they meet those SPTs, they will get a discount in their uh, funding costs. But a bulk of those discounts funded by banks like ourselves, who is, who is willing to subsidize the, the financing costs to make sure that 
um, SPTs, ambitious SPTs are set and, and, and are met, right? But going forward, then there was consideration to see whether we can introduce this to the bond market. And it became quite apparent that it'd be quite tricky to issue a bond where the coupons would step down when certain uh, SPTs are met. Then as the awareness and the importance of the ESG agenda deepens in, in Asia, it also became clear that issuers should be expected to uh, meet their own SPTs that they've set up. And they shouldn't be rewarded for doing something that's right. They shouldn't, they, they shouldn't, be, uh, it shouldn't be looked upon that a structure is something that would reward them to do something they're meant to do in the first place. So when issuers start to realize that, then they start to accept the fact that they're happy to be held to their SPTs. And if they don't uh, uh, meet those SPTs, then they're happy to pay a penalty. So that, that refinement of thinking that the increase in the sophistication of the approach towards the ESG parameters makes it uh, more meaningful. And then you have the, 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 you have the resulting SLB bond market being developed and it resonates well because it shows issuers of SLBs to be responsible, uh, issuers to responsible businesses. And it, it also allows the um, bondholders to be able to participate because there's a structure they can price off and they can measure and they can value vis-a-vis -vis the SPTs that are put in place. And in time to come, we're hoping to see, and the market would naturally evolve to a situation whereby properly issued SPTs should be able to draw in more investor participation in the primary market for uh, tighter pricing for the issuers and also better performance in the secondary market so that the, the, the benchmark set for uh, future issuance would also be improved. So once that comes into place, you will see a market uh, welcoming properly structured SLBs, which because it will benefit both uh, issuers as well as investors. So that's how we saw the, the thought process uh, being developed over the period of time to where we are today, which is uh, the exciting growth of SLBs in the region. That's a great perspective right there. And while loans continue to be introduced, we're seeing several issuers that aren't pure play green issuers in Southeast Asia release sustainability-linked bond frameworks. Most recently, we saw Singaporean telco Singtel and Indonesian mall operator Plaza Indonesia float sustainability-linked bond frameworks with plans to issue bonds tied to environmental targets. The bonds that have been issued also focus on the environment with carbon emissions targets or JAPFAS plans to construct water treatment facilities. Clearly, the environment has been at the helm of discussions related to ESG transition. Yes, this begs the question, would there be scope for social or governance targets going forward? And we got Clifford's thoughts on this. The short answer to your question must be a resounding yes, especially with the um, uh, COVID uh, uh, pandemic and, and the social economic impact that, that is being felt and we feel will continue to be felt or in fact increasingly be felt going into, uh, into uh, the coming months. So from that standpoint, I'll say that there's increasing concerns and the S in the ESG would be dialed up. Then the, trick, the tricky bit is how do you put in place a, a SPT with, a, uh, with the S lens? What is meaningful enough? Because from that standpoint, it'll be tough to, well, you know, it'll need a bit more work to put in place meaningful SPTs that are relevant to the activities of the, of the company, of the issuer, and it would be impactful enough to be able to achieve that. But again, it is natural, I think very necessary, 
you consider the the social the S in the ESG in terms when when putting in place the SBTs. And so far, as it comes up now, much much has been uh, talked about in the E, the environmental angle. But I think uh, with the ongoing stress due to the uh, COVID-19 or uh, the COVID pandemic, you see that uh, more structures, and or at least we are very hopeful that more structures will come out which will embed uh, the social uh, SPTs into the SLB structures. So I suppose SLBs are a very neat way of holding issuers accountable. So where's the catch? Earlier this year, we actually did, did a report on SLBs. And uh, from, from our research, one of the concerns that we came across on SLB structures was question marks around the ambitiousness of the sustainability performance targets or SPTs that issuers had set for themselves. For instance, in certain cases, the issuers were already very close to achieving the long-term targets that they had set under their SLBs, raising concerns on the actual ambitiousness of these targets. A related issue that comes up on SLB structures is that the testing date for the SPT is usually very close to the maturity date of the bond. Now, while there may be annual reporting requirements requiring issuers to disclose their progress towards achieving the SPT, the penalty itself only kicks in from the testing date, which is close to maturity. What was Clifford's response to this? And how did he propose to resolve this issue? I'll say that there's always been concerns and talk and, and uh, skepticism uh, relating to the possibility of greenwashing, in this case now, sustainability washing, etc. So I think that will continue. And I, I think that's a, a healthy dose of uh, skepticism is good to help us refine the structure as we go along, because this is still, after all, still a developing market. And the market is will be looking for a few things. First and foremost, uh, the market will be looking for a common benchmark. Like you said, SLBs, as, uh, they are a lot uh, better understood uh, today than, let's say, a world, uh, let's say a year back. And now, IGMA has an SLB framework that can be referred to. So the markets will develop their acceptance, their uh, evaluation of what's acceptable, what's a good uh, framework and not. But the market is will continue to drive to look for a common benchmark, a common taxonomy around such exercises. So that will continue. And as I said, the skepticism that's there to, to test the structures is a, is a healthy development to make sure that, um, that the market develops and evolves towards the best-in-class standard. Right? Just like you see, you see how uh, green bonds have evolved, uh, you will see SLBs uh, evolve uh, in the same way. That's one thing. Um, then the question is, uh, what else does the market want? The market would want more regular testing, more uh, SPTs that are relevant to the activities of the issuers, and they also would want something that's impactful, something that's ambitious. So all these basic asks, which are fair, right? Which is which uh, which should be asked for in order for us to take this seriously, and the markets will evolve. And uh, I'll say that based on our ex exercises, and we have had uh, several transactions which which uh, does have examples of all this. Uh, and, and markets will question and check to see whether the, the targets, you know, timely, consistent, and, and uh, whether they would be really material and impactful. When we did, for example, when we did the deal on Jaffa Confit, there were uh, queries in, in the uh, beginning part as to the SPTs that's put in place. Right? Among them is, is the commitment to build eight water recycling facilities to handle uh, wastewater of their operations. Then the question, it begs the question, what, how is this relevant to a, 
a global agri-food uh, company. You know, this seems to be outside of the scope. So questions like that came about when we started the roadshow, started introduction of the of the structure. But as the market, as the investors asked questions, as it was tackled by the issuers, it became clearer and clearer how relevant the added, additional infrastructure and how important it is to a responsible responsible running of, uh, of Jaffa Confit's business. Once accepted, uh, ESG-themed uh, investors, dedicated green, green bond investors, they started to buy into the transaction and it did very well. But it took time for the market to be educated before we got there. Then we have another uh, structure like for Zorbana when they, they are going to head towards uh, a net zero it, at their, um, Jurong, uh, their one of the campuses, the Jurong campus by uh, 2030. Then the question, it begs the question, why so long, why so late? But that's also due to the fact that that's when their uh, uh, campus will be completed or will be uh, uh, set up to be able to be tested, right? So is that preferred? Well, I'm sure if you ask investors, they would want something sooner, but is the ambition uh, tabled by Sobana also meaningful? It is. It is it's measurable, it's impactful, and it is also another example of what can be done to hold themselves uh, accountable in, in that regard. So whether it is something we can measure along the way, or whether it's something that can only be completed over the period of time, it, uh, those structures can be calibrated according to the stage of development or the stage of uh, business uh, readiness of the issuers. Without this variety, we would not be able to draw in more uh, more issuers than if we would uh, uh, make it a little bit too limiting. Now, what is the right way? What is the preferred uh, structure? The markets will continue to evolve to guide us. So not all SLBs are the same. And this year, the market has tested several variations. And as Clifford pointed out, they must be customized to suit the nature of the business. But many of them do follow some common benchmarks or patterns. So, for example, we've seen issuers like Jabba Comfeed or Singtel provide a penalty in the form of an additional coupon payment or a premium to investors. Meanwhile, NTU is required to invest in carbon offsets or climate change research if it doesn't meet its sustainability target. So while it's still early to test the effectiveness of these penalties and the impact, we did ask Clifford on what investors are looking for in the primary markets. I would say fundamentally, uh... There, there were such considerations when when discussions were being had with investors on what they'd like to see. And it was, we, we have conducted such discussions quite uh, frequently as we try to come up with new structures that would be relevant and impactful. And in actual fact, they talk about the step up to make sure that it is enough of a deterrent. But then again, you also don't want to look at it as being more than a deterrent, if you know what I mean. It is a step up that investors should not want to see and investors should not want to uh, incur. So uh, there's there's an, an ethical aspect to it, both from an issuer's as well as an investor standpoint. An issuer should not be hoping to talk down the step up because uh, they must be going into it with very uh, confidence that they will be able to meet those SBTs from the issuer standpoint, right? And from an investor standpoint also, they, they shouldn't be talking about wanting a highest step up for an economic reason. If they want it as, for, as a deterrent, that's fine. But yeah, all this, uh, uh, the way to frame it, the way to look at it is being refined and refreshed as we go into uh, considering more structures. And, and that's the benefit of having more structures and more issuers into the market because it 
it forces the the subject to be considered more seriously, and ultimately, it it also then goes. Uh, it will form the main drivers as the original intent of um, coming up with an SLB. The, it is supposed to be a positively behavioral uh, behavior enhancing. Behavioral uh, improvements should be should be uh, the outcome here with regards to making sure that the uh, actions and the businesses conducted in a climate aligned and in uh, societal uh, with societal considerations, societal benefits uh, as as top of the mind. You know, ethical implications aside, step up mechanisms still seem like they're a pretty common option and seem easier for investors to digest when trying to understand these bonds. For for instance, we saw that some of these bonds were oversubscribed, with a lot of ESG investors participating in these bond issuances. Okay, but what do you think we'll see in terms of the bond prices, say five, ten years from now, when the observation dates start kicking in? Will this create a lot of price volatility? This is what Clifford had to say about this. There are two ways to look at it. For example, if there's a risk of the SPTs not being met and and the possibility of a step up in coupon, from a financial standpoint, you'd imagine perhaps if the credit remains unchanged, the 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 the, the price of the bond might go up. But on the flip side, if you had bought into, if you had invested in a bond and you have put it in your ESG portfolio or ESG themed investment portfolio, and you start to realize that SPTs that might be violated and the SLB that you bought might no longer qualify as an SLB, it might also result in a sell-off, right? But at this juncture, I'll say that uh, we are in such a early stage of development of such bonds, this, the, the supply in the market is still so uh, lacking. And also many of the issuers in this space, they're strong credits. So I think the concept of uh, price volatility towards the end of it uh, is still not something that's, that's uh, being actively explored or top of the mind as yet, because if you invested in an SLB, you expect it to stay in SLB uh, all the way to the maturity of the bond. I suppose this is the biggest takeaway. We are yet to see how these bonds will benefit sustainable transition. And while we wait, we continue to see new bond and loan structures in this space. Clifford firmly believes that while Asia is still new to this space, SLBs have allowed the flexibility for issuers to join in on global sustainable transition activities. I would say that um, the market is, as, as mentioned, looking for a a common taxonomy, a common set of benchmark as to what would be an acceptable uh, structure for green bonds, for social bonds, for SLBs going forward. And, and SLBs is, is the newest structure that has uh, come to market, not just in, in, in Asia, but globally. But you can see from the difference in the, the growth in issuance from last year to this year is quite phenomenal. Um, globally, but more so in Asia. And the reason for that is has been touched on also to say that the concept resonates with uh, uh, Asian issuers for a few reasons, because they understand that it's important to do something that will actually affect uh, uh, behavior of companies and hold them accountable to uh, best ESG market practices. They see that. Secondly, you also see it is also increasingly relevant in Asia because Asia is a developing market. Asia is the is the latest to join into this uh, uh, efforts 
in, in, in a big way on the, the ESG uh, drive, a drive towards ESG uh, best market practice. Europe and uh, US had many years of uh, head start, so Asia is catching up. So for Asia to catch up, there's also a consideration that there are, there are businesses here, there are economies here that are really emerging in nature and in this transitional phase. So SLBs um, serve that purpose for them to be able to participate in the drive towards net zero uh, without having to wait for their, for their businesses to be up to par, you know, if you may, when compared to their European and US counterparts, they can start now track the path forward for them to adopt better and better ESG practices and hold themselves to stricter ESG standards. They don't have to wait till the end. Like the question was asked, right? Why do we have to wait for SPTs to be met at the maturity of the bond? There should be ways along, uh, along the way that can be measured and can be monitored to make sure that there is progress and good progress. And SLBs, allow that to, to take place by agreeing on the SBTs that will be, uh, that can become more and more ambitious over the years for targets to be met, maybe not next year, but in a, a defined time in the future, failing which the issuer would be agreeable to be penalized upon if they do not meet those targets. So I, I expect the SLB structures to be more broadly accepted. I expect the SLB targets and SPTs to be clearer in terms of the, the relevance and the impactfulness of those uh, uh, KPIs uh, in, to a level that uh, markets will find generally acceptable, investors will find, it, find them generally acceptable. And once we have a meeting of minds both from issuers and investors, we, we, we would be able to allow there to be a common set of benchmarks that issuers and investors can both refer to in the future issuances of uh, SLBs. That brings us to the end of the discussion. We'd like to give special thanks to DBS Bank and Clifford Lee for participating and sharing insights on this subject. For our listeners, please stay tuned for more sessions on SLBs and the opportunities they present. Thank you. Thank you.